We're going to get right into the word this morning. We have a brief fellowship immediately following our service this morning. And I also just want to leave time uh, for those of you who just want to dwell in the Lord's presence because we are going to just be closing out what has been an amazing series. Amen. I have loved this series so much. I read the book. I got the audible of the book. I listened to it. Um, as I've been going to and from and commuting, and I have really grown spiritually. And I pray that as I have been encapsulating this book and sharing with you some profound habits and lessons, that you too are being blessed by what we have learned over the course of this seven-week series. On November 13, 1946, a single propeller airplane took off from Schenectady County Airport with a rather unique payload, six pounds of dry ice and a rather unique mission. The pilot was a chemist named Vincent Schaefer, who had been conducting clandestine experiments at the General Electric Research Laboratory. Using a GE freezer chilled to sub-zero temperatures, Schaefer created clouds using his breath as condensation and seeded those man-made clouds with dry ice. The dry ice crystallized a chemical reaction that caused snow crystals to form in that freezer. A few months later, it was time to try a field test. So Schaefer rented that airplane, flew it into a cumulus cloud, and dumped the dry ice. Eyewitnesses on the ground said it was almost like the cloud exploded. The subsequent snowfall was visible 40 miles away. The GE monogram had a little fun with Schaefer's benchmark saying, Schaefer made it snow this afternoon over Pittsfield. Next week, he walks on water. Now, we know that didn't happen, but it was absolutely something that had never been seen before. But the science of seeding clouds is not a new idea. It's as old as the prophet Elijah. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and meet me in 1 Kings chapter 18. We are in the series, Win the Day, and we've talked about six habits so far. The first one is flip the script, kiss the wave, eat the frog, fly the kite, cut the rope, wind the clock. And now it's time to seed the clouds. Somebody say, seed the clouds. Seed the clouds. That is habit number seven. So if you have your Bible, you should be in 1 Kings chapter 18. If you need one, just raise your hand and someone will make sure you have one. But let me set the scene while all that is happening. It has not rained in Israel for three and a half years. Desperate times call for desperate measures. That's when and where and why the prophet Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel and sleep and sees the clouds, sort of. 
First Kings, let's start with verse 41. It says, Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant said, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. So Elijah shouted, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rolled off. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, I really want us to see a lot this morning as we dive into habit number seven. And the first thing I want you to see is how you see the clouds. How do you see the clouds? We're gonna make it as simple as one, two, and three for my note takers. One, you see the clouds with prophetic imagination. Prophetic imagination. Number two, you see the clouds with patient persistence. Patient persistence. And number three, you see the clouds with bold prayer bold prayer. So are y'all ready to see the clouds? Are you ready to learn this morning how we're going to apply this to our everyday life? Amen? More than half a century ago, Dr. Alfred Tomatis was confronted with the most curious case of his 50-year career as a world-renowned otolaryngologist. A renowned opera singer had lost his ability to hit certain notes, even though those notes were well within his vocal range. He had been to other specialists, all of whom thought it was a vocal problem. But Dr. Tomatis thought otherwise. Using a sonometer, Dr. Tomatis discovered that the opera singer was producing 140 decibel sound waves at a meter's distance. Now that's louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. So long story short, the opera singer had been deafened by the sound of his own voice. He could no longer hit the notes because he could no longer hear the notes. The voice can only reproduce 
said Dr. Tomatis, what the ear can hear. The French Academy of Medicine dubbed it the Tomatis effect, and the ramifications are pretty profound. So here's my theory for us this morning. All of us have problems, relational problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems. And we think those problems are the problem. But I think many, if not most, of those problems are presenting problems. The root cause of our problems is a hearing problem. It's ears that have been deafened to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, over the course of the series, we've talked about a couple of different ways in which that can happen. One, we talked about the noise of the culture. We are bombarded with news and fake news every minute of every hour of every day. We've got online advertisers using clickbait. We've got social media algorithms designed to keep us in our echo chambers. And it's hard sometimes for God to get a word in edgewise with all the white noise. But I don't think that's the primary problem. As we also discovered during this series, one of the most primary problems we face is our own self-talk. We are deafened by the sound of our own voice, like the opera singer I just explained a moment ago. We talked about this with habit number one when we discussed Flip the Script. About 60,000 thoughts fire across our synapses every day. According to the Cleveland Clinic, 80% of those thoughts are negative. I'll say it again. Scripture is our script cure. If we renew our minds, according to Romans 12, it's the way we tell ourselves a better story. It's the way we turn up the volume on God's voice. So I asked a question a few weeks ago, and it's worth asking this question again. What percentage of your thoughts, your words, and your actions are a regurgitation of the news media that you watch or the social media that you follow? There are algorithms designed to keep us in this echo chamber. And the net result is an ear that cannot hear the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Now let me flip that script. What percentage of your thoughts, your words, and your actions are the revelation that you are getting from God's word? What percentage? We've got to be grounded in God's word. When we open the Bible, God opens his mouth. The best way to turn up the volume on the still, small voice is a daily Bible reading plan. All right, skip down to verse 41. Let me juxtapose that for a moment. Elijah said to Ahab, go, get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now this is deep, y'all. Elijah hears something that no one else is even listening for. He hears something 
that hasn't happened in more than three years. How? Elijah has a prophetic ear. And that's where prophetic imagination starts. Let me give you a definition. Prophetic imagination is seeing the invisible, hearing the inaudible, and believing the impossible. I'm gonna give that to you again. Prophetic imagination is seeing the invisible, hearing the inaudible, and believing the impossible. Walter Brueggemann says it this way, the task is reframing so we can re-experience the realities that are right in front of us from a different angle. Sometimes it takes the form of supernatural gifts, like a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Sometimes it takes the form of supernatural solutions, like the spiritual gift of discernment or healing. Either way, I call them God ideas. And I'd rather have one God idea than a thousand good ideas. Do I have any witnesses this morning? How do you get God ideas, though? It starts with a prophetic ear, an ear that is fine-tuned to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And that is precisely what is happening in verse 41. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. His forecast seems foolish, right? It seems like Elijah is out of touch with reality. But there is an old axiom, those who don't hear the music think the dancer is mad. When you exercise prophetic imagination, it may seem like you're out of touch with reality because you are in touch with the reality that is beyond our five senses. Amen? Things that you cannot taste or touch or see or smell or feel. Many of us have experienced that, where we feel like we're out of touch with reality, and it is because we are in touch with what it is that God is doing in the supernatural, even before we see it with the natural eye. Point number two, we said, see the clouds with patient persistence. See the clouds with patient persistence. Now, in first century BC, there was a drought, drought, not unlike the drought Elijah experienced. It threatened to destroy a generation, the generation before Jesus. There was a man who had an Elijah anointing. The people asked him to pray for rain, and he did something curious. He didn't climb Mount Carmel. He took his staff, drew a circle in the sand, then he knelt inside that circle and he prayed this prayer. Sovereign Lord, I swear before your great name that I will not leave this circle until you have mercy upon your children. It was a bold prayer, but we'll talk about bold prayers in a minute. 
According to the Talmud, Honi, the circle maker, was captivated by one phrase and one verse of scripture, Psalm 126.1. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. That phrase, we were like men who dreamed, provoked a question that Honey wrestled with his entire life. Is it possible for a person to dream continuously for 70 years? I want you to hold that thought for a second. Let me explain something to you before we try to tackle that. Longitudinal studies have shown that as we age, the cognitive center of gravity tends to shift from the right brain to the left brain. Now this is an oversimplification, but the left brain is the locus of logic, and the right brain is the locus of imagination. The neurological tendency presents a problem. At some point, most of us stop living out of imagination and we start living out of memory. Think about that for a moment. Think about how when you were younger, you had great imaginations, great dreams, great visions. Could nobody tell you you weren't going to be the next president of the United States, the next ballerina, the next whatever? We had imagination. But as we age, we stop creating the future and we start repeating the past. We stop living by faith and we start living by logic. That is when we stop living and start dying. Most people die long before the date on their death certificate. But it doesn't have to be that way. Without a vision, says the writer of Proverbs, the people perish. Vision is a preservative. If you're watching us online, go ahead and put that in the comments. Vision is a preservative. If you have a vision, you are never past your prime. If you have a vision, you never age out. Just ask Caleb. He's as strong at 85 as he was at 40. How? Vision. It's an expression of prophetic imagination. But guess what? It takes patient persistence. If you want to dream big, you have to think long. You have to play the long game, as Pastor Charles and I like to say. Every day when we persist, every day when we don't give up, every day when we keep going, we look at each other and we say, if it was easy, everybody would do it. It takes patient persistence. And one of two things happen over time. Either memory overtakes imagination, or imagination overtakes memory. And imagination is the way we seed the clouds to the third and to the fourth generation. And it takes patient persistence. Let me kind of zoom out of this for a second because I love verse 44. It says, I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. 
Now that's a mighty small cloud. That's really small, but that isn't the issue. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. If you do the little things like they're big things, what did we say? God will do the big things like they're little things. We have got to get in the habit of being okay with something beginning small. At least it is beginning. That's half the battle. You have to attempt things that are beyond your ability, beyond your resources, beyond your education, beyond your experience. So when we are starting with whatever it is, it may seem small, but what it is that God wants to do is going to be much larger than what you are equipped with anyway. And that's when and where God shows up and shows off. I'm not sure who said it, but I heard a pastor say this a long time ago, do things that are twice your size. In other words, stretch your faith. I know you don't have enough. I know it looks too little. It seems too small. But that is the, just the type of circumstance where God is able to step in and receive the glory. Here's another lesson out of that. When you are faithful here, you don't always experience the blessings right then, right there. But God will bless you somehow, some way, somewhere. That's another thing we have to be careful because sometimes if we don't really understand the principles of God, when we drop a blessing in a specific place, we're looking in that specific place for the blessing to be returned. Well, I bless this person, so I'm looking down the road when they're going to bless me back. I did something here, so I'm looking down the road when that's going to return on my investment. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. God will repay you. So you may not want to be looking to that person or looking to that place because then you're playing yourself too small. Then you're limited to what that person can do back for you or what that place can do back for you. But if you would look to God, that is where your blessing is coming from, and he can use anybody anywhere to return the blessing unto you. And so it says that Elijah asked his servant to go look for rain how many times? Seven times. Now this is not an insignificant number in scripture, Patty. Proverbs 24, 16 says, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. One way I study scripture is by taking a word or phrase and plugging it into a Bible search. And I took that little phrase seven times, and it's amazing how many times it pops up. Now, seven, as we know, is the number of perfection or completion. So it is used both lit literally and figuratively. Either way, so many sevens. Abraham bows to the ground seven times in Genesis 33. 
The priests consecrate the altar by sprinkling, sprinkling it seven times in Leviticus. The word of the Lord is like silver refined seven times. Psalms 12. Jesus ups the ante and tells us to forgive not seven times, but what? Seventy times seven. But I want to focus on three inciting incidents. The Israelites circled Jericho seven times on the seventh day in Joshua chapter 6. Naaman dips himself in the Jordan River how many times? Seven times in 2 Kings chapter 4. And of course, Elijah prays for rain seven times in 1 Kings chapter 18. Have you ever heard of a counterfactual theory? Anybody? It asks the what if questions. Let me play a counterfactual theorist. Minister Charmaine, what do you think would happen if the Israelites had stopped circling after their sixth day on day six? Pastor Charles, what if Naaman stopped after six dips? Troy, what if Elijah had quit praying after his sixth attempt? You know the answers. They would have forfeited the miracle right before it happened. Seeding the clouds is all about persistence, patient persistence. Because I know many of you, when you look at it that way, realize that you may not be at that place where you have finished the race, but you also may be contemplating not finishing and you're only on your sixth time. Consistency beats intensity seven days a week and twice on Sunday. It is the deal breaker. It is what separates consistency. Because we talked about it. Most of us can do anything for one day. And that's what we want to challenge ourselves to do. We want to challenge ourselves to get up and do it for the day. Get up and win the day. But it's the consistency of getting up the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day. You keep on keeping on. Jesus said it this way, ask, seek, and knock. Those are present imperative verbs. Ask, seek, knock. In other words, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It's too soon to quit. Somebody say, it's too soon to quit. It's too soon to give up. My third and final point, see the clouds with bold prayer. 
see the clouds with bold prayer. A bold prayer is a prayer that is beyond your ability, beyond your resources, beyond your imagination. In other words, you can't do it. You're praying for something impossible, but a bold prayer is also a prayer that you have prayed a hundred times, maybe even a thousand times, and God has not answered that prayer when or where or how you asked. But you don't feel released. You keep praying that prayer for your unsaved loved ones. You keep praying that prayer for that wayward child. You keep praying that prayer for that relationship that is holding on by a thread. I don't know what miracle you're believing God for, but it's too soon to quit. Can you hear God counting down? Keep seeding the clouds with your faith. Keep seeding the clouds with hope. Keep seeding the clouds with love. In 853 BC, a king named Jehoram assumed the throne of Judah. He's the fifth king of the southern kingdom. It's 117 years after the death of David. And this is what 2 Kings chapter 8 verse 18 says. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He killed his brothers so he would get the throne. But that's not the end of the story. It says, now I want you to catch this. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah. Nevertheless, for David's sake, this is so powerful to me. David is long gone. This is six kings later. But God has not forgotten his promise. He has not forgotten his people. That's what happens when we seed the clouds. There is no expiration date on love. There is no expiration date on faith. There is no expiration date on prayer. We are beneficiaries of prayers we know nothing about. We harvest fields we did not plant. We drink from wells we did not dig. We live in houses we did not build. We think right here, right now, God is thinking nations 
and generations. We think what God does for us is for us. It's never just for us. It's always for the third and the fourth generations. That's why you can't quit. That's why you can't give up. Because it's not just about you. It's about the people that God is going to use and impact through you. When I think about this book, I kept thinking how I was so impacted by this book. But what really touched me is how the author, Mark Batterson, shared that he had a really hard time with writing. And that even though God had given him this, this assignment, it was something that in the natural he was not gifted at, he was not good at, and because of it, he postponed moving in that direction, the book said, for 20 years. So I think about another counterfactual theory. What if he had never gotten over his concerns about his writing abilities and just started writing? I loved when I was reading the book, he said his first book he wasn't that proud of. In fact, he went and tried to get it out of publication, and it was not that easy to do that. Once something is printed, it's out there. But you had to do your first book that wasn't that great to get to this book that has blessed so many lives, and it's blessing your life, and it's blessing my life, and then in turn, then we get filled with what God is trying to give us, and then we go and bless somebody else's life. Do you realize how it's so much bigger than just us. The lives that we will impact, the other people that we would touch, the things that we will do for God's glory, that's why it's so important that we win the day. That's why this series has been so impactful, because we must learn how to see the clouds. So I just want to take a moment with you and pray. This has been a, a lot to digest for some of us. And there's nothing worse than being able to get a lot of information and not know how to put it into action. So God, I'm going to pray with, with the people of God right now that you will show us exactly where it is you want to start, exactly what it is that you're trying to say and what it is that you want to do in us and through us so that we can be focused on winning Winning not just for our own personal benefit, but for your glory. Winning to accomplish, winning to overcome, winning to get better, winning to let go of things in the past that have been holding us, things in the past that have kept us from succeeding at what you're calling us to do. Winning and overcoming our fears so that we can become the preachers and the teachers and the writers and the speakers and the business people and the mothers and the fathers and the husbands and the wives and the daughters and the sons and the students and all that you have called us to be. That we don't quit too soon, God that we keep praying for our children, that we keep praying for our spouses, that we keep praying for our loved ones, that we keep praying for the people that you have assigned in our life. And that even when we don't see the results right away, that we go back a second time and that we will pray a third time and that we will pray a fourth time and then a fifth time and then a sixth time and then a seventh time until we see your breakthrough. Ah, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Huh? Thank you, God. Hey, help us to be patiently persistent, God. That as you show us where it is that you're trying to transform us, that where you show us to shine a light on it, God. Make it plain, make it obvious that as we're studying your word and as we're seeking you and that as we're in your presence and we're in your face, begin to illuminate to us the things that you're trying to do in our life. Let there be no confusion. Let there be no doubt. Let there be no uncertainty. Let there be a consistent clarity that you are at work and what you are doing, that we would join you, that we would partner with you, that we would not run from it, that we would not fight against you, God. Huh. Our arms are way too short to box with you, God. Help us to embrace the callings that you've placed on our life. Help us to embrace the positions that you have placed us in, oh God. Hey, thank you, Father God. That as we begin to boldly pray for your will to be manifest for Excel Church, as we boldly pray for your will to be manifest for every person connected to this ministry, as we continue to boldly pray that your will be manifest for every person in our county, in our country, in our world, that you would be glorified because we wouldn't give up. That you would be glorified because we kept seeding the clouds, because we had a prophetic imagination, because we didn't just see what was in the natural and we didn't just see what the, the media told us and what our friends told us, but we could see prophetically, oh God, what you desire to do. Hallelujah. And that we allowed our imaginations to grow, our faith to grow, to believe in the impossible, to believe in what we cannot see with our natural eye, what our senses tell us can't happen, what our friends tell us can't happen, what the doctor told us couldn't happen, what everybody else say, I don't see any way, God. I thank you for our prophetic imagination that we believe you. And we patiently persist after pursuing you. And we boldly pray that your will be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm believing God right now for you. Every person under the sound of my voice. Every person on Facebook, every person on Spotify, every person on YouTube, every person at 1624 Northmoreland Boulevard here in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, I am believing right now, I am stretching my faith with you that that impossible thing that is at the forefront of your mind right now, that persistent thing that has been bothering you for years, that has not changed, that looks like there's no hope of changing. I'm believing God with you right now. I'm stretching my faith with you right now. That God's getting ready to move. Because you did not quit. 
because you kept believing, because you kept persisting, and because you kept praying. I'm receiving your breakthrough with you right now by faith. Stretch your hand and just say, I receive it by faith. Wherever you're at right now, just stretch your hand and say, God, I receive it by faith. Hallelujah. I receive my blessing by faith. I receive my breakthrough by faith. I receive it. I receive my healing by faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody just begin to say amen. Amen.